Welcome to Sports Best Friends Stories, a podcast that this week is looking like a beautiful bottle of Shivers Regal. I'm Big T and sitting patiently on the phone today is a man who played top grade football for over a decade. He captained the Raiders to the finals. He won the Dalian fullback of the year 2006. He was selected to represent Queensland and the PM13, the mid noughties He is equal 15th for the most points ever scored in rugby league. But most importantly, during peak rugby league playing cards, he dominated the print, having a huge array of action cards depicting him stepping and exhaling. Please welcome Clinton Shavosky. Big T, how are you, mate? Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure, mate. Now, have you seen a lot of those cards where you're taking a big breath out? <laughs> I have, mate. So uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had a fan once. Um, his name's Michael, a guy from New Zealand. So okay. he's all the players know him. He's at a lot of the games and gets a lot of stuff signed. And, really? And he's a really good guy, mate. He's just a tragic rugby league supporter. Okay. Um, Everything rugby league. He cheers for the, the Warriors, but mm-hmm. not much good. So he goes for everyone, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, mate, it was interesting. He, uh, you know, like I said, struck up a decent relationship with him. He's a good guy. And, and when I retired, he, he actually got all my cards and he, and he made this really nice frame. And put wow. In, yeah, like plus, like laminex type stuff. And it was, yeah, terrific, actually. It was yeah. one of the nicest things I got yeah, in that's... my career. And, yeah, I kept it and I'll give it to my son. I'd hang it up on his wall. So it's, yeah, it's pride and place. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks, Mike, you massive legend. Now, can I explain quickly the Shivers Regal? Do a lot of people call you Shivers? Do they, they shorten Shavosky down to Shivers? Uh, yeah, I've had Shivers. Um, also, Chuck is a nickname. Oh, yep. Um, Chocker, that's passed down from my dad, so I sort of stole his nickname. He, he was Chocker, <laughs> and I got Chuck for short. Yeah, um, yeah, shift occasionally. So yeah. yeah, I had a mate in uh, when I was playing football. He was great in open play, and he was a big Parramatta fan. So we all called him Shavosky, which got shortened down to Shivers. <laughs> and then, um, and my mum bought him for his twenty-first birthday a bottle of Shivers Regal, and then we called him Regal after that. So, oh, I'm, cool. All after, and it's all because of you, mate. So there you go. Ah, uh, no. So I had a, a mate tell me once. Oh, there was a racehorse called uh, Shivosky. Oh, wow. Shivosky, it was called. So, uh, and it was after me, but yeah, I backed it a couple of times. It was no good. <laughs> so, so, yeah, terrible. That's a shame. Mate, yeah. you're uh, running a company called GS Sports Management, which, which claims it's the most boutique sports management agency in Australia, guiding a host of players to success. How do you do that? Uh, yeah, look, we, we are a very boutique uh, business. Um, we do league and union, yep. so we're probably 75% NRL in terms of players that we represent, right. and 25% rugby. But that's the market in the NRL at the moment, the 16 NRL sides. Obviously, there's only four super rugby sides yeah. uh, in Australia, so uh, not a lot of opportunity for the rugby guys, but that's a little bit different. Once they make it here, then they have the opportunity to play overseas. Yeah, it's, right. It's a, it's a truly global game. England, Ireland, Scotland, France, South Africa, Argentina. They can go anywhere. They're blessed. Um, yeah, so I, I think uh, obviously myself and my partner with 35 years' experience in the in the game, uh, whether that's the business side or the playing side of it. So, um, yeah, and take a real hands-on approach. Right. Um, and, and it was it was no different. My business partner actually managed me when I played. So wow. he's my agent. Yeah, wow. so he's, he signed me when I was 19, mum and dad, and uh, managed me for 16 years. And, and we've since gone into business, been in business for the last nine years. Uh, he's still trying to get rid of me. He can't shake me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm not trusting probably second to my dad. Wow. So, which is really important. But I think what was important for me 
in yeah. terms of what I look for in an agent. Obviously, wanted someone I could trust. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd get in a trench with Steve any day of the week. Um, does did that come? How did he come up with that? Because obviously, you're coming towards the end of your career, which he knows because he's managing you. And was it his idea, your idea? How'd that come about? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he, he always just run his own business. Uh, like I said, we've obviously grown our business. Yeah. Now that I've come on board, I've got another a, another accredited agent on it, and a, a Japanese translator who works with me in Japan. So we're well. growing it slowly, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, look, he approached me. Oh, I was coming to the back end of my career. I was still at the Raiders, um, and I had some interest from rugby union. And, mm. and and I thought after my career, I wanted to get into uh, like club administration, the business side of the sport. Okay. So I'd gone back to university uh, as a mature age student with a trade. I was doing a business degree. Okay. Uh, CEO, you know, down the track would be great. And, and Steve approached me about maybe working with him. You know, oh, yeah, so, okay. So you're really good in the space. You're really personal. Uh, people trust you. They like you. Um, and you've got a bit of common sense uh, <laughs> these days. <laughs> you've grown up a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So and then I looked at it and I thought, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'd have the capacity to work across two different codes yep. and not be stuck in one club and, you know, just work with all the clubs yeah, and yeah, the yeah. players. Mm. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And then a, a light bulb moment and like I said, I was doing the business degree and then the rugby union thing come up and I thought if I could switch codes, play here in Australia, get overseas, build some contacts and some networks, um, yeah, that'd bode well for a business as well. Steve Holy, was just- that's insane. So you were thinking even while playing way long-term, like if I move to rugby union, this is going to also help my long-term career. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I was wow. 29 at the time, so I also like to play, obviously play a little bit longer as well because rugby yeah. is a little bit easier on the body as an outside back. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a plan, and we sat down and, and spoke about it, mm-hmm. and, and it worked out terrific. I had two years at the Reds. And then I went over and played for a big European club called Ulster in Northern Ireland for right. three years. Uh, we played out throughout Europe and, and and then I had some contacts with Eddie Jones in Japan, who was the coach who actually got me to the Reds. Wow. So so the first year I got into the agency um, business, obviously got up to Japan, rode trains from one end of Japan to the other, meeting the clubs, using wow. their translators initially. Uh, and hence, like I spoke about before, we've got our own Translator now, Tazuku, who's come aboard with us. So he works with me. So, yeah. Wow. And so when you said you looked into it, did you just watch the movie Jerry Maguire and and, <laughs> and, and they thought that was pretty good? I mean, how similar is it to that idea? Uh, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's definitely a relationship and a service type industry. Right. Well, that's why I looked at it. So I suppose from personal experience, every player is different. But for me, what I look for in an agent was – Obviously, someone I trusted, yep. someone I respected, someone I liked, and someone who could get me an opportunity anywhere in the NRL. Right. So um, Steve ticked all those boxes. You know, he was excellent. So, uh, so, so we try to take a real hands-on approach. Uh, like I said, every player is different. Some players just want you to do their contract, and, and so be it. But right. uh, I think as you get to know players and you have a real influence, not only on their footy career but their life as well. Or you, you play right. a small part, a really important part of their life, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
I think that's pretty cool. That's that's what I like about the job. It's it's really rewarding as an ex player to still be involved and yeah, and have the capacity to help players in that respect. Even at the back end of my career, I tended to gravitate towards the younger players, right? Because they were so enthusiastic and they kept you young at heart. <laughs> right. um, so it's a little bit the same here. Yeah, we'll go out and sign and identify kids. Which is probably a little bit young in the NRL, 15, 16, but that's the system that is. Yeah. Um, and so you identify kids, you build a relationship probably more with mum and dad at that stage. Um, but then the lad, as he grows to 18, 19, 20, and starts to go through the grades and hopefully, hopefully gets the first grade. And that's where the relationship and the trust builds up. And, right. And obviously, hopefully, a long and successful career. And, and yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm really enjoying it. And so, Nine years in. and so you probably wouldn't get starstruck that often then because you've been with them for so long. No, probably not the players. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, especially the, the guys you represent and become like friends. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. You know? So uh, it, they really do. So there's some terrific relationships now, just nine years into it, not only with the players, but some of their, their parents as well. Um, it's, um, it's pretty awesome. And so you said that you, you you get quite close to them. What what do you think you've learned about people since doing the job? Uh, everyone's different. No two are the same. Yeah. Uh, so you sort of got to try and get on their level and, and and find what they're interested about and what makes them tick and how successful they want to be and all those type of things. You know, um, that's that's all part of the process in terms of building the relationship and right. and trying to get the best out of them and, and then get the best out of me as well. And so when you were talking before about families, were your parents also then a big part of your, like the signing part and you finding your agent and thing like, and things like that? It was, it was interesting. Like even to this day, like we go, and, you know, we're still tr- recruiting. We all, we're always recruiting players. Yeah. So you get a, get in the fight for the best talent. Uh, there's generally five or six agents trying to sign them and, and I generally tell the parents and, and, and the lad, like if you've got five or six, you take the time and you talk to every one of them if you have the time. And you'll, if you're anything like me and my parents, you'll get a feel really quickly who the right thing right, is for you. Right, right. Uh, which is exactly how it worked with Steve and I. I am just talking from personal experience when I tell this story to the, to the parents as well. Uh, I think it was four or five agents we were going to talk to. And mum, dad, and I sat out. I think we sat with the first two. Steve was number three, and then um, he left. And I said, I oh, don't worry about the other two, and we'll give the first two a miss. We'll just go with Steve. Yeah, wow. What do you guys reckon? And mum and dad were the same. It just, yeah, just that for me, it's, like I said, it might be different for other people. That's how it was for me. Just, yeah, I think you get a real quick feel for who the right fit is for you. So. Yeah. And so, were your family big into football? Is that how you first got into it? Uh, yeah, dad, my dad was. Uh, I grew up in central Queensland, a little mining town called Moranbah, west uh-huh. of Mackay. It's about two hours west of Mackay. So, um, so dad was a country footballer. I can't remember him playing much. Mum said he was a pretty good player, yep. um, tough and aggressive and fiery. All the, <laughs> the complete, the complete opposite yeah. of me. Right. Um, but you can so, also yeah. imagine. You can imagine your mum now watching a game, and she's. You know, she's remembering things that, you know, she might not have uh, seen normally. She said, geez, he's a bit fiery out there. Geez, he's a bit aggressive out there. They're the things yeah, that stuck it, with her, maybe. Maybe. Mm. So uh, it was interesting. So uh, look, he took, I think he, he tells a story, he took me down to sign up 
in a regular league and under eights, I think it was, and I got a kick in the face and a bleeding nose and just <laughs> sat in the car and said, I'm done. So yeah. I'm not playing. And I played soccer till I was 15. Wow. So I, I didn't actually start playing rugby league till I was 16, actually. Wow. So I was one of those kids that didn't grow and I was a little bit smaller and, yeah, obviously frightened. Um, so once I got a bit bigger and braver, yeah, and the town I grew up in was a really mad league town, as you can imagine, up in central Queensland. So all my mates were playing and I said, okay, come and play, come and play. And, um, yeah, 16 and I, and I decided to play. So it's an interesting story, actually. Myself, Travis Norton and, and Josh Hannay yeah. all, all played NRL and we all come from Moorumbah and we all grew up in the same street. Wow. So at the same time, yeah. So uh, I was two years older than Travis and then Travis was another two years older than Josh. So... There's never been another kid play first grade NRL from Warrenbar. <laughs> wow. After us three. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool story. Yeah. we're all proud of. And is the, is the getting kicked in the face your first rugby league memory? Or what is it? Uh, yeah, it was. I, I sort of vaguely remember, but Dad tells the story better than me, so it's sort of <laughs> stuck in my memory, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, I got to 16s. I was playing a little bit there, then the 18s, and was it within two or three years? I think three years, and I was scouted. Travis and I were scouted playing in Mackay for Moorabar, and, and had the move down to Brisbane to play as wow. eighteen-year-olds. Yeah, well, Travis was a year younger. That must have been incredible that you only played it for two years, and then straight away everyone realised you were great at it. Like that, that often you know people are playing for ten years, and then they're they're still wondering if they are. But you play for two, and then bang. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You know, it was interesting. So uh, I was lucky. Um, so it was another. Funny story as well. I was 17 turning 18 and went down to preseason training at Moorumbah and, and the local captain coach was the local police sergeant as well. Right, his, name, right. his name was Paul White. He's now the CEO of the Brisbane Broncos. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I was a really good trainer, very fit and good at all the long running and and I had a really trained really hard. I must have been the preseason. He put me in the first grade as a seventeen-year-old wow. in that competition. In them days, it was a really good country competition. Uh, so I played the whole year in A grade wow. with the men. So and then we won. I think we won the grade. We did win the grand final that year, and that's the scouts had come up to watch. And I think Travis was playing in the 18s, mm-hmm. and, and then both of us got signed from that that day. Actually, which is pretty cool. And and do you talk about what? Uh, like, because he really then helped that that movement for you. Like, um, like if you think that the thanks the CEO, yeah, oh, absolutely, he was some yeah, right. really good mates to this day. Yeah, so, right. Uh, he was he was the chairman of my wedding, so um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so his okay. wife Angela, so yeah, they're, they're cracking people. He's a mate for life. So, okay, so I've probably got my shot off the back of the Broncos CEO now. Which is yeah, pretty cool. it's incredible. You didn't end up playing for them. Bizarrely, your first grade career started with the Queensland Crushers, who ran last that year. What springs to mind about that time for you? Um, yeah, I think I think I had a look at it the other day. I was doing it with my lad. He's eighteen. I think I played might have been twenty-seven games or something, thirty games. I think we won three. Wow! So my, we were terrible. That's what probably springs to mind. How bad we were. Yeah, right. Uh, and that was the time when Brisbane were flying, and they just won two competitions. And yeah. Um, so yeah, but look, I was living the dream, playing first grade, and uh, didn't really care that we were getting beat. I was just playing first grade, but I was still doing a trade at the time. Wow. I was a diesel mechanic by trade. Uh, so it wasn't till nineteen. 
97 that I went full-time. Yeah. Actually, full-time rugby league. So the year before, I was still working and playing first grade, So, which is probably unheard of these days. No, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you moved not longer after that uh, to the Eels, who came fourth the first year you were with them. What was the biggest difference off the field that you can remember between the two clubs? Oh, 100%. Like, I got there and, like I said, we were so bad at the crushes, but enjoyed my time. And then I got to Parramatta where we had Brian Smith as a coach. Um, probably learned more off Brian Smith in the first week than I had in the previous three years. What does a coach tell um, you then? I often hear stuff like that. What would, what does Brian tell you in those times? I'll show uh, you. Sort of like, like video and analysis and all that had come in. So I'd sit down and go through the game with you and, you know, just little things, you know, uh, positionally and short kickoffs and rules and stuff that right. you probably should know as a player, but you don't. You yeah. know? So I think a, a good coach does that as well. So um, he's a really intense coach as well. He probably he probably wouldn't mind me saying this, but he's that smart. I used to say he thought himself sometimes, Brian. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know if he liked, if he liked, but he was such <laughs> an intelligent coach. He was, um, it was crazy at some of the stuff he would come up with. So he was ahead of his time. So, uh, and, and, and on the flip side of that, we I turned up there and we had players like Jim Dimmick, yep. Jason Smith, Jared McCracken, Ben yep. Pay. Just go, wow! That I was starstruck. You talked spoke before yeah. about being starstruck. That was I was like a kid in a lolly shop. You know, how cool is this? And playing with these superstars. So, and then we were always we were very successful. I think the three years I was at Parramatta, we made the preliminary final three years in a row. Wow. So one game off a grand final and we're leading all three games at half time. Oh my god. And lost, and lost all three. Yeah, so far out. Um so it was a real shame. And I think the year I left to go out of Canberra was two thousand and that was the year Parramatta lost the unlosable grand final against Newcastle. I think they lost two games all season and yeah. Joey smashed them off the park. So <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was cool. I was playing under a really good coach who was teaching me lots about the game right. and myself and, and then playing with really good players. You, you probably just, you probably learn just as much off the players as you do the coach, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Especially good senior players like that. Right. So. And how was it being away from your family for that time? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Even when I left to go to Brisbane, I was, I was turning 18. So I hadn't even turned 18 because my birthday's in November. Right. So I remember it, mum and dad, I just lived at home my whole life. And mum and dad, I was staying at a homestay for a family. Um, they just, they met the family quickly and pretty much left me on the side of the road and drove off. So <laughs> I, I think I cried for the next six weeks and apparently yeah. my mother cried the whole way home and kept telling my dad to turn around and go back and oh, pick me no. up. Bring me. But uh, I got through it. Um, yeah, then I obviously made the move down to, to Sydney and was obviously by myself again. So. I used to look at that. I was playing with some younger guys then, like Nathan Kalis and Nathan Highmarsh. Right. Um, all the, they all had their families living with them. And I, I used to say to them, you guys don't realise how lucky you are, you know, to have your family here and still be living at home. And Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think they took it for granted, but, yeah, I would have. It was tough, but you sort of just had to learn to get on with it. And yeah, right. Keep going. And is that the kind of, I mean, you'd sign players and, and they'd make, you know, they'd make deals like that and you and you're, must be conscious of that when, when you're making those deals or at least warning them of the, of the family pressures or lack of family 
100%. It's different. Sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes you, you, you've identified a lad maybe needs to spread his wings and probably get away from right. mum and dad and be his own person. And yeah. sometimes you have a lad that you know that if he's not around his family and his family structure, uh, extended family, that he might really struggle. So you, you're aware of that as well. So he will. With what we do, everyone will talk about that. You play the best possible deal, which is great. Money's really important. But also another a lot of other factors come into it like that you know how will they go moving away from family do they, do they probably need to get away from family who the coach is what the culture's like at a club right. all, all that type of stuff so there's so i think a good agent looks at that just as much as they look at the, the money Bottom side line. of yeah. the contract yeah absolutely well, speaking of excellent cultures you were selected to play for queensland twice what's the first thing that springs to mind when thinking about that experience uh, yeah, it's just proud as punch. Obviously, any country kid growing up in Queensland is yeah has a dream to play Origin, which right. I obviously did. Yeah, um, I, can, I can still remember as a kid. That was probably my first memory of rugby league sitting in the lounge room, like every Queensland kid did, and watching it with their mum and dad and yeah. cheering for Queensland, cheering for Wai Lewis. So yeah, it was pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, first Origin wasn't great. I was selected on the wing, and Andrew Johns again. I think school. 26 points in an origin we got beat 36-6 game one and yeah um, got dropped and didn't play again until 2006 so I was just wrapped to get another opportunity in 2006 so I wasn't going to be a one origin wonder and (laughs) and it it was a much better experience as well I think it was game three 2006 and the Queensland lost the last two series back to back and the pressure was really mounting on Darren Lockyer and Petro Simonisiva and Steve Price and these guys. So, mm. um, yeah, and it was the beginning of the the dynasty. The yeah, mm. the dynasty. So, um, yeah, and I actually kicked the winning goal from the sideline. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually from right in front. So, yeah, but so, you still did it from the sideline. Yeah, that's all right. Is it? After Lockyer scooped it I up. remember telling my son. I told my son he was about twelve at the time when we come back. Uh, yeah, same story. No, oh, kicked from the side. That's pretty cool. And then he actually watched the game. He said, Dad, you lied. Right in front. But, um, look, before we go into that game, and I've just realised now that, I mean, I have a, uh, my childhood memories of you are more for Parramatta and Canberra, and I have a lot of respect for you, and I've never spoken to a Queenslander really about State of Origin before. And so this is, you know, it's a real down point for me. I've realised how great it is to listen to you talk so lovingly about it, and I'm struggling through remembering Lockyer scooped that up. Anyway, let's go to a happy bit. Do you remember how you were t- how you were told about being selected? Um, Particularly the third one. Do you remember? Uh, sorry, the second one. Do you remember how? The second one, yeah, I do. Uh, I was, it was it was awesome. Uh, so when I first went to the Raiders, Melman Engel was my first ever coach down there. He was still coaching first grade. Right. Uh, so obviously Mel was the coach in 2006. I think it was his first year. Um, so he rang me. He said, uh, it was it was it was that it was that year when Carmichael Hunt was injured, uh, Matt Bowen was injured, uh, Reese West, all those good fullbacks were injured. So, and then I was probably the last bloke they could pick. Oh, come <laughs> on, mate! Come yeah, on! So, uh, it was it was that side as well. It, and in the side we had Adam Mogg and Chris Flannery. And, yeah. Um, yeah, Josh Hannay was in it, so it was a team full of battlers, really. Uh, so that made it even more special. We still. Played a small part. Uh, all those blokes who hadn't probably been regulars for Queensland right. in, in starting off that dynasty. So, yeah. So, to answer your question, Mel called me and said, Chop, I'm, I'm, we're going with you. And Reese Wester did play, actually. And he said the selectors wanted to put Reese 
at fullback and you on the wing. And I said, no, I want you at fullback and Reese will go onto the wing. So yeah, I thought wow. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my first origin, I thought of myself as a fullback and I played on the wing, which is okay. But um, to get that vote of confidence from Mel the second yeah. time around, obviously gave me some confidence going into that game. Yeah, you mentioned Lockyer before. Let's go back to that incredible moment where you guys end up stealing it. You're in the game, you're trailing by 10 to go and eventually win the series. What does Lockyer say behind the post during that last 10 minutes? Um, it was probably what he said the night before. That was really that sort of led to that. So, uh, like I said, but he was those senior players and that squad were under a heap of pressure and those calls and coins they never really turn on their, their own, the media, but they were sort of calling for all of those guys to be scrapped and get the young guys in. And, and I remember he pulled the whole team together in his hotel room that, that, that night after dinner and, and he didn't say much and it didn't go for long, but he pretty much just stood there and said, oh, I'm going to be the best player on the field tomorrow and I challenge all you guys to be the same. Wow. So, um, so you can walk out of this room knowing that I'm going to be the best player on the field. So it's pretty cool. And yeah. uh, he was. He was outstanding. Yeah, he, he was. played really well. <laughs> Scooped that ball up like he did and um, had his back to the wall. Wow. And, well, that's, and then he touched on that again behind the post. I think we're down by 10 with – eight to go, nine to go. And, and, and he said, I'd challenge us to be the best we can out here. And yeah, the rest is history. So yeah, good. far out. I love that. That's amazing. Do you I remember walking out of the room and, um, and I was sort of, Petro was, had tears in his eyes and Steve Price was climbing the walls and Tony Curry was, not Tony Curry, Tony Carroll was about to jump out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going crazy. <laughs> it was really fired up and yeah. I just thought, fuck, excuse me. No, you're right. Yeah, we're going to win. You know? Yeah, right. Um, we're going to win this guy. I walked outside and rang my dad. I said, rest in the tab and put some money put on it. <laughs> Did he? Did he put money on it? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yes. He did. So, Jesus he Christ, he would have been flying. Now, he would have been flying yeah. because, I mean, you win. He would, he's a Queenslander. He would have been loving that. And he would have known that, you know, his son's kicked the goal. He's, oh, that's unreal. Absolutely. So it's pretty cool. So um, so to be a part of that, yeah. like a really small part, is something I'll remember forever. Do you remember? Do you remember? It's a hard one to come come in with after that. But do you remember Tom that you said something or did something like that as a captain that resonated with your team? It's more so, I just try to lead with my actions. You know, I always sort of tried to be the player uh, after the game. We should, as, as a player, I felt we should sit in the dressing sheds afterwards. There's a small moment every time, and it's, it's just sort of quiet, and mm-hmm. you look up and you can see the guys looking around and. And the guys that thought they'd play well were looking around to sort of try and get the gauge of other guys who thought they played well as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I always wanted to be that guy that blokes were looking to that sort of had had a crack and had a dig. And, yeah, so that's how I tried to model myself as this captain, I suppose, just yeah. trying to be the best I could every time I went out there. Yeah, right. Okay, well, let's move into the wonderful world of wishing. If you could go back in time to any game, watch to watch any game – which would it be? Uh, my game, personally. No, 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 it can be any any game of rugby league ever. Any game of rugby league ever. Um, I might have took my son to the grand final. We were Broncos, Cowboys. Yeah. So we were there. So that wow. was pretty cool. So yeah. he's about 14 at the time. And I remember we walked, we were right at the back of the stands. It wasn't the greatest seats, but um, we walked down. I just put my arm on his. Shoulder, I said, mate, oh, you can come to another 100 grand finals and you'll never see anything like that again. So wow. it was pretty cool. So, yeah, um, yeah it was enjoyable to, to watch it with him as well. 
So. And you're both Queenslanders, so you can't lose. Oh, he was actually born in Canberra, my son. Both, oh, right. Both, both of our kids were born in Canberra, my son and daughter. So they're Canberrans. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of Canberra, let's stay in the wishing world. If you could go – oh, no, sorry, I would. If I could go back, I'd go to September 9th, 2006. It was your last game and your last game for a host of Raiders players, Jason Croker, Simon Wolford, Michael Hodgson, Jason Smith, Adam Mogg. What was the best part of that night? Was it, was it the, our last game yeah. in the semi? We got beat by Canberra. I think so. It was still a great <laughs> night. Did. It was. Yeah, it was, it was disappointing just that we got beat, I suppose. Right. Um, yeah, we're just proud of Canberra. Went, you know, the, the era I was at Canberra, we never had the greatest squad. You know, they didn't spend a lot of money either. The Raiders back then, a little bit different to now. Right. Um, but we had a team of blokes that just – pulled together and worked really hard. So you speak of those blokes, Adam Mogg and Jason Smith and yep. Jason Croker and Simon Wolford. So, yeah, we had, a, we had a really good side. So that was probably what I was the most proud of in my time at Canberra. Yeah, right. Well, while we're reminiscing, consider this for me. With your years in playing rugby union, rugby league, your time in commentary, your work with players and media manager, your early childhood memories, considering all of that, what's your greatest rugby league memory? Um, greatest rugby league memory. Uh, just, I think the greatest satisfaction, I suppose, and not a memory would be just blessed to have the career I've had at, at the club yep. I've played at, the players I've played with. Um, I was never the best player as a kid growing up and just trying to work really hard. And, and, and if you had said I would have played 10 games of rugby league in the NRL when I was a young black, would have said, you're dreaming. And you know? so I ended up playing yeah. I think 200. So that's as the older I get and the more I think about it, that's super cool. You know, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And finally, Clint, why do you love rugby league? What does it have that has kept you tied to it for so many years? Uh, I think it's just the greatest game of all. So it just gets better and better every year. So um, the good thing about it is like players retire and players leave and it doesn't really matter. It's probably – more exciting because you know there's another good young player coming out of these and yeah and also also, also the opportunities that it gives people you know even me young kid growing up from more i had a career for 15 16 years and i'm still blessed to be in the industry and do what i do and and work with those when i work with and alongside those type of players it's um you know i think the, the friendships and the memories you get out of that are, yeah. are awesome and you just you just can't buy those those experiences. Thanks, Shivers. This has been great, mate. Awesome, mate. No dramas anytime. Big thanks to Paul Murchison, our wonderful producer. Also, a quick thanks to Andrew from the Rugby League Project for his website. We'll enjoy your sport for another week and we'll talk to you next time, sports best friends. And that's all because of you, mate. So there you go. Uh, no, so I had a, a mate tell me once, oh, there was a race course called uh, Shivoski. Oh, wow. Shivoski. Shivoski, it was called. So, uh, and it was after me, but yeah, I backed it a couple of times. It was no good. <laughs> <laughs> so I was,